Heidi Harris. This is the Heidi Harris Show podcast. I do these a couple of times a week. You can subscribe at iTunes or any place you get podcasts. You can also find them at HeidiHarris.com. I also do a live radio show five days a week, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. on KMZQ. That's AM 670 in Las Vegas. If you forget all that, go to HeidiHarris.com, and it's all linked there, and you can listen live at a link on my page to the show anywhere in the country. It's always a privilege to welcome Robert Spencer. I've followed him for years. He's written multiple books on Islam and jihad. He runs the website jihadwatch.org. Great guy. And now he's got a book out called Rating America's Presidents, and it's really excellent. Talks about why historians routinely disparage some presidents while lauding others. Robert Spencer, welcome back to the Heidi Harris Show podcast. Great to have you. Hey, great to be here, Heidi. Thank you. Now, I wouldn't have thought you'd write a book about America's presidents. Talk to me about what compelled you to do this. Well, uh, the main thing is that the left is at war with our history and that they are trying to make us into people who are ashamed of our own country, our own culture, our own heritage. And so I thought uh, it's time for there to be some pushback about this. Uh, a lot of people don't know. Uh, we've seen in this happening on a more or less daily basis this summer with the pulling down of the statues and things like that. But this has actually been going on for many years. And so I thought it's time for a real American history that celebrates what is great about America, that explains what it is, and that evaluates our presidents on the basis of whether they were good for America and Americans or whether they were not. I think that's important, too, because we're speaking with Robert Spencer. I think it's important to evaluate presidents not only as to whether they're good for America, and we'll talk about what your criteria were, but also to evaluate them in the time in which they lived. I think a lot of people are trying to put the values we have today on people who lived back in the past, and it's really not a fair comparison in a lot of cases. That's something that's being done nowadays regarding slavery, and nobody says slavery was good. Nobody is making excuses to try to justify the practice, but the fact is that it was a constant of all cultures and all civilizations and all countries all around the world for century after century until it was in the U.K. and the U.S. that there started to be a pushback against it. And their uh, people are complex. They, uh, when this was not entirely clear, as it is so clear to everyone today how immoral this was, then uh, there were many people who were good and noble people who did actually think that it was all right. Now, does that mean that they are evil in themselves? Most people on the left today would say so. But in the past, they uh, simply didn't think the way that we do, just as in all other countries in the world, they didn't think, they don't think in exactly the way that Americans do. And anybody who went from America to some other country and demanded it be just like America the left would say was allowed, was ethnocentric. And it's really the same thing they're doing with history, going back into history and demanding that everybody has the perspective of 21st century Americans. It, uh, it was never true, and it should never be expected by anyone. Boy, that is such an important point. We speak with Robert Spencer. His latest book's called Rating America's Presidents. Something else you mentioned about this, and I'll get to who I think would have been the best talk show host, and I'll see what you think about that or not, of, right. the, of the presidents that I, I can think of. Uh, you also talk about, this is really important, 
that when you talk about academia, they've generally favored presidents, you say in your book, who were big government status and globalists. They disliked presidents who lowered taxes, protected American workers, and favored a small federal government that left American people and the world as free as they possibly could. That is such a great point, because that is true. That's the lens they're looking through. Yeah. And so a whole generation of Americans or more that grown up with the idea that uh, the best kind of president is one who actually puts America last, not America first, and is looking out for the people in Iraq or Afghanistan or Somalia or anywhere, other, anywhere else, but not the people in the United States. Uh, of course, Donald Trump has, is, has represented a significant pushback for the first time in generations against that idea. And uh, that is why I rate him so highly in this book and rate uh, socialist internationalists like Obama so low. Now, in your book, you mentioned people like Bill Kristol. I followed Bill Kristol Weekly Standard for years, and I had a lot of respect for him. And he just went off the rails when it came to President Trump being elected. And these never-Trumpers have always stunned me because what was their option? I don't understand their whole deal. Were they upset that they weren't going to win? They weren't going to be able to continue with the plans that they had? Well, I think that a lot of it is personal. Um, a lot of it is that they represent the Republican establishment of the Bush family and so on that lost to Trump in 2016 and uh, lost control of the party to him to at least some degree. And that's part of it. But also it's the fact that Trump represents a rejection of the internationalism of which the Bush family was such and is such an energetic exponent. It wasn't just that the left and the Democrats, like Obama, were internationalists, but George H.W. Bush and George W. Bush were two of our most internationalist presidents ever. George H.W. Bush got us into Somalia for no conceivable national interest, but solely because the people of Somalia were in trouble. Now, that's noble and all, that's great, but if America were to follow out that logic consistently, then we would be in hundreds of countries around the world and expend our resources helping other people have good government while America's infrastructure crumbles. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting point that you make. We're speaking with Robert Spencer, uh, because uh, with 43, correct me if I'm wrong here, one of the reasons that I was frustrated with him, it's one thing if you want to go over, if you feel like we have some kind of interest in Afghanistan, or if you want to keep an eye on the Iranians, or anybody in Pakistan, whatever, I, I can understand that. But if you're going over there to try to show them the way, to try to change their culture, we're screwed. And I really felt that that's what George W. Bush wanted to do. Yeah, exactly. And... The thing is that this is uh, something that goes back b way before Bush, way before Obama. I show it in the book. It goes back in both parties to over 100 years ago uh, to Woodrow Wilson saying, we're going to make the world safe for democracy. It sounds really great to make the world safe for democracy. It sounds like a wonderful, noble cause. But if you think about it, it's absolutely impossible and even suicidal. The idea that we can expend America's resources to bring good government to the rest of the world is uh, naive, short-sighted, and ultimately detrimental to the interests 
of America and Americans. Absolutely. We're speaking with Robert Spencer. The new book is called Raiding America's Presidents. It's excellent. And it goes through all the presidents, talks about how they get elected. And, and, it, and it's not, it, it, I love the fact that you just really clearly talk about what qualifies people to be president, you know, what they did well, what they didn't do so well. It's excellent. I think the best, now just of the presidents that I have the most familiarity with, I would say that John Adams would have been the best talk show host because he was a cantankerous little dude, wasn't he? He sure was. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I never thought of him as a talk show host, but you may be right. He certainly would have had a lot of wonderful epic battles with callers and uh, and his uh, his opponents. I absolutely think so. So a couple of years, maybe two years before 2016, maybe 2013, I had a conversation, Robert, with a conservative guy who was very popular. And we went to dinner, he and my mom and I, and I asked him, I said, are you going to run for president? And he said, no. And I said, why not? And I'm paraphrasing here. He basically said the jig was up. They, they, you know, they basically sit in a smoky paneled room and they decide, all the big money donors, decide whose turn it is. And in that year, it was clearly, according to these people, Jeb Bush. So... I laugh now as I watched Jeb Bush get out on the campaign trail and as I watched him completely fall apart. It was so interesting to me because here's a guy who was very high ranking in the Republican Party who watched this. Clearly, they thought they were going to put a crown on his head and everything fell apart. Back to your point about the never Trumpers. It was so amusing to me having heard that from an insider. Yeah, well, this is what they thought. This is one of the reasons why they hate Trump so much. He's upset all their arrangements. The uh, dynastic families were supposed to be exchanging the presidency every eight years at this point. You were supposed to have George H.W., who was followed by Clinton. And then, of course, they wanted Gore, but they settled for George George W. Bush because they knew that he was pretty much their man as well. And so that was not that big a problem. Um, And then you were supposed to have Hillary and then Jeb. And it would just go Bush, Clinton, Bush, Clinton, Bush, Clinton from now on, I guess, to the end. And uh, it was actually Obama beating Hillary in 2008, and then Trump emerging out of the crowded GOP field and uh, swamping Jeb Bush that put an end to these dynasties, which is very much to the benefit of Americans. But they still exist. Of course, it's the Obama Democratic establishment that uh, joined with Clinton to uh, attempt this coup and this frame-up of the president to get him removed from office. And uh, the Bushes and the Republican establishment hate Trump pretty much just as much. Yeah, it's fascinating. Who do you think our best president? Well, I don't want to give away the entire book. Once again, we're speaking with Robert Spencer. The book is Rating America's Presidents. I don't want to give away everything, but who do you think our best president was and why? Well, from the standpoint of strengthening America politically, militarily, economically, that uh, would be, of course, Mr. Washington, who defined what a president was to be, Mr. Lincoln, who kept it all together and articulated after 50 years of uh, tremendous upheaval over slavery, he articulated what was exactly wrong with slavery and why the um, nation could not endure half-slave and half-free as most of the presidents before him were trying to figure out a way that it could. Uh, And then you have, uh, skipping way ahead, Calvin Coolidge in the 1920s, who rolled back a lot of Democratic regulations and taxes and got the economy booming in the 1920s while while withdrawing from a lot of the foreign entanglements that Woodrow Wilson 
his, predece- his predecessor by one had gotten us into. Uh, and then you have the current president who, after decades of internationalists, is once again focusing on what is best for Americans. I was watching a documentary the other day about uh, the Spanish flu, and they were talking about Woodrow Wilson and the fact that a lot of people speculated that he got the Spanish flu and that it affected him neurologically for a long period of time like it apparently did other people. Could have set us up for World War II. I mean, we don't know for sure, but any comment or speculation on that? Well, he had a stroke. I don't know that he had the Spanish flu. It's news to me if he did, but he certainly had a stroke and was essentially incapacitated for the last year, and a year, year and a half of his presidency. And his wife, Edith, was uh, the gatekeeper. No, nobody would see him without her permission. No communications would go to him without uh, going through her first. And a lot of people think that she was effectively the president. Now, from a women's rights standpoint, that might be quite interesting and it's worth exploring. <laughs> but the reality is that the country did not have a functioning chief executive in the crucial period uh, immediately after World War One, mm. And uh, that's just part of the damage. Woodrow Wilson did immense damage, and that's just part of it. Yeah, we're speaking with Robert Spencer. The book is Raiding America's Presidents. Of course, an incapacitated president leads us to Joe Biden. Uh, it's stunning to me <laughs> that the Democrats won't admit that the man is, and I'm not diagnosing him, but the man has clearly got, he's got some cognitive impairment of some kind. He's not capable of running a Zoom meeting, much less running the country, and yet they continue to push this guy forward. I, I, I'm just stunned, Robert, that they continue to do this, because he's not going to run the country. Who's it going to be? Is it going to be Kamala Harris? Is it going to be Nancy, Chuck? We don't know who's going to run the country. I can't believe anybody could vote for someone when they don't know who really will be running things. Yeah, I think it's people who are behind them all. Uh, it's a shadowy group of the same people who... Uh, ran the coup against President Trump and uh, are responsible for a lot of the fix that we're in. They're socialist internationalists. Uh, We don't know for the most part who they are, and that is a great deal of the problem. But it does seem very likely that they're the ones who are going to be running things in a Biden presidency. And, of course, I don't really think that a Biden presidency, even if he wins, is going to ever come to pass or last very long. He'll be uh, removed via the 25th Amendment for Ms. Harris and uh, removed through the 25th Amendment or through death or who knows what. But um, he's just a placeholder right now. They thought they were going to lose, so they settled on a weak candidate so they wouldn't hurt anybody else's chances for 2024. Then with the COVID and all that, they uh, and the, the mail-in voting that gives them a chance to cheat on a massive scale, they have a chance to win. And so they'll prop him up as long as they need to and then throw him away when they don't need him anymore. Mm, that's a great point. It's interesting. I know we've always had you know, problems with elections and whatnot and nonsense with elections. But I, are you, do you think we're going to know who the president is on election night or the day after or the week after? I mean, what, what's your guess, Robert? Well, unfortunately not. I wish I could say yes, and I hope that things will change. But we've already had the governor of Michigan say we're not going to know the results in Michigan for at least a week after the election. And the Democrats in general are gearing up for fraud on a huge scale by stating that they're going to be counting the mail-in ballots for a tremendous period after the election day, uh, which is a clear attempt to throw the election. They're just going to wait and see on the election night how many fake 
ballots they need, and then they'll manufacture them, and a week later, Biden will have won Michigan and all the rest of it. Unbelievable. We have a Republican Secretary of State here in Nevada, and she is beside herself at what the Democrat legislature just did, which is they changed the law, they're going to have mail-in voting, and they're also going to allow ballot harvesting. So people just go by and pick up everybody's yeah. ballot and bring it in. That was previously in Nevada a felony. They changed that. She's beside herself. She's a Republican. She wants fair elections. I mean, it's insanity that they're doing this. It's election fraud right out in the open, in front of everyone. And they know that little or nothing can be done because anybody who speaks up against it will be accused of uh, voter suppression and disregarding the COVID threat and so on. Absolutely. It's, it's nuts. Well, I don't want to give away everything. This is a fantastic book. It's called Rating America's Presidents. Uh, goes through every single one of them, talks about the pros and the cons and how they got elected and gives a little history on each one of them. And uh, it's, it's excellent. And I love the fact that you broke down you know, why so many historians have negative things to say about various presidents. But you talk about the fact that you know, if, if you're basing people on what they're supposed to be doing for the country, that list gets pretty small. Indeed. Uh, and that's the key, the really the only criteria that we ought to be using to evaluate the presidents. Were they good for Americans? Absolutely. Robert Spencer, thank you. Where can people get this book, Rating America's Presidents? It should be at uh, Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, and if there are any bookstores that still exist, uh, ask them to order it, and they should be able to get it. Okay, and follow him at jihadwatch.org, jihadwatch on Twitter, which I do, and I love the way you battle the trolls on Twitter. You have more patience than I do sometimes with these people. <laughs> God bless you, Robert, for what you're doing, and of course, you've got a lot of great books on Jihad, too, so please check out of all of his books. Thank you, Robert, for the time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, Robert Spencer is a guy I've had the privilege to get to know the last few years, and I have read his books for years. It's always fun when you follow somebody for a very long time and admire their work, and then you get to know them, and uh, he's just a great guy, and I love what he's doing. And I was thrilled that he wrote this book about the presidents. So check it out. I'm Heidi Harris. Don't forget that no matter what happens, politicians ultimately, you know, they come and go. Some are evil, some are not evil. Aren't you glad they're not really in charge of our lives? I mean, really, ultimately, God's in charge of our lives. If I didn't think that, I wouldn't get out of bed in the morning. We can get disgusted with politicians, but really, who's in control? Not them. Don't forget, you can catch my live radio show five days a week, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. on AM 670 KMZQ. If you forget everything I just said, you can go to HeidiHarris.com, find my podcasts, find my social media, and you can listen live. There's a link right there on my HeidiHarris.com page to listen live to my show, no matter where you live in the country, maybe in the world. I don't know. Until we meet again, remember, you were created for a purpose. Here's Tony Scott Bell.